They stupid. You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker, that is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings and welcome to a special edition of the Steve Dace Show podcast here on Westwood One. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here as well. They will be joining us here shortly. We'd like to know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. The last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Now, we just finished wrapping up. Uh, the Dace Group Roundtable for CRTV. And if you don't, if you want to watch that show today, we had a lot of fun. CRTV.com is the website. Promo code Dace if you're not yet a subscriber to CRTV. And that'll get you a discounted subscription to not just uh, my show, but uh, all of the shows here uh, on the network, including the great one, Mark Levin, and more. CRTV.com, promo code Dace. And yes, we do have monthly subscription options available too. However... Today's podcast, I mentioned it's a special edition because we're changing up the schedule. Normally, Friday would be a Feedback Friday. But just as we were beginning to start taping uh, the show for CRTV, and for those of you that wonder how it works, um, because we aren't doing this live via satellite, but we're doing this over the web, over the internet, we have certain windows of times that we have to hit our upload in order for this to get to you, the television show, by a reasonable time, late afternoons, early evenings. And so when you have a, a story that breaks late, the Nunez memo being released around noon central, that's our local time zone here where we live in Iowa, uh, being released right around noon central, that's right in the middle of our taping window. There's no way we could have altered the CRTV show to include that as part of the Dace group. And I, I didn't want to do that anyway because I wanted us to handle this story in a unique way. I'm going to explain in a moment. So when you watch the show on CRTV, we get into the economy. We talk about State of the Union, the Democrat response to it, etc. Uh, the other big news of the week is covered over there. Okay. Today on the podcast, we're going to exclusively focus in on the Nunez memo. And here's how we decided to do this as a, as a show. The three of us all read through the memo and then tweeted our thoughts about it, either in real time or after reading it on our own individual Twitter accounts in threads we've each posted that we have not read one another's threads. We've not talked about what we think about the memo. Not a word. We read the memo without reading anybody else's takes on said memo. Ivan Ivan made sure I logged onto my own Twitter page so that I would go to my own feed before my news feed showed up so I would see no other reaction to this except for my initial thoughts as I read through the memo this afternoon. And now the way I approached it is I tweeted out my thoughts in real time as I was going through it. Did you guys do summaries or did you in real time? What'd you guys do? Summaries. Summaries? Uh, summaries afterwards. Okay, so, and I like that we did it differently. Now here's why we're doing this. Why are there four Gospels? Well, each of the men who wrote those Gospels has a different perspective. The truth on the, of the life, ministry, and, and resurrection of Christ does not change when you read those four Gospels. 
But not everybody can remember everything. Not everybody can recall everything. And so you get certain aspects of his ministry and life that catches up into somebody's telling of the story that is neglected or was seen differently in somebody else's telling of the story. And that gives you actually a more holistic view. In, in a court of law, when multiple witnesses have the exact same story down to the last minuscule detail, that's when courts have a tendency to not actually believe it because it seems contrived and rehearsed. And I wanted us each to independently come at this differently because I think that's our best chance to have a more holistic reaction and analysis of this rather than if I just did this on my own and we just riffed off what do you guys think. And, and that's the approach. I wanted us to take a synoptic gospel approach to this memo because it has been built up into mythological proportions. The Republicans did this early in the week. I mean, this was Moses coming down with, you know, with some stone tablets here. All right. And then late in the week, the Democratic Party and the media, but I repeat myself, was at the same time, the media wants us all to go see the post about fighting a, a government that didn't want to be transparent about the Pentagon Papers. They are throwing they threw every bullet they had the last 36 hours to avoid this memo coming out which can't help but taint your, your thoughts about it going in. Which is why I wanted us to think about this as a, as a show as independently as possible. Now, by the time you're going to catch this today, when Westwood One gets the podcast uploaded to iTunes, Stitcher, and et cetera, you're going to probably have sampled lots of different opinions about this, and that's okay. But we want you to know from the outset, I still, at the time we're taping this, because we went right into the TV show after we did the review of the memo individually, I still have not had a chance to read anybody else's take on this. In fact, the first non Steve Dace thought I'm going to see about or hear about this memo will be when you two guys share your thoughts with me. All right, so you in the audience, as you listen to this, you're getting our snap, immediate, visceral reactions to this memo. Likely on Monday when we come back and we've had more time to review it, more time to review breakdowns of it, we'll have maybe some different thoughts. But I wanted to give the audience as raw and as unfiltered and untainted a sample of our take as we possibly could. So, Aaron, I'm going to start with you. You guys okay with that disclaimer? You want to add anything to it, by nope, the way? that's good. Am I Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John? <laughs> Do you have a preference? No. Well, you can only okay. be one of them. Yeah. Okay. Um, John, John has the law. John gets the most words, so I'd probably go with him. <laughs> All right. Aaron, go ahead. All right. So here's my, I'm just going to read you word for word my summary, and then I'll add a little bit of context later. Uh, essentially, the DNC, meaning the Clinton campaign, really, because that's who the DNC uh, was run for, uh, run by, is was Clintonistas at that time. The DNC paid Fusion GPS through a law firm to produce a ridiculous dossier slandering Trump. Multiple people involved with the dossier were buddies slash new slash spouses with top DOJ officials. Three, the DOJ used the dossier as an excuse to spy on the Trump campaign. So the first bullet point there, the DNC paid Fusion GPS to produce a ridiculous dossier slandering, slandering Trump. So the DNC, um, and I can't remember at, at this point, but I know uh, uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz uh, had been running the DNC, which gives you an indication of how many Clintonistas 
uh, and it, Wasserman Schultz is a big Clintonista, had been running the DNC. I'm not sure if she was at the time of the uh, Steele dossier, but that uh, gives you some indication of how uh, entrenched the Clintons were in the DNC. They paid Fusion GPS, which is essentially um, a, a firm that um, journalists and or opposition, it's just an op of research firm, basically. The DNC paid Fusion GPS through a law firm to dig up dirt on Donald Trump. Now, the second bullet point, multiple people involved with the dossier were buddies slash new slash spouses with top DOJ officials. Bruce Orr, Orr, which is mentioned in this memo multiple times, was, uh, I think, the deputy uh, attorney general in this uh, in this whole thing he knew michael Steele at that time you uh, mean yes. at that time yes yeah. he knew michael Steele. Uh, i'm sorry christopher Steele, the dude who produced the dossier christopher Steele is said to have been uh let me look at the quote here desperate that donald trump not get elected and was passionate about not uh, about him not being president so or deputy attorney general knew Michael Steele because of Michael Steele's connections with the FBI and the DOJ, and Orr's wife worked for Fusion GPS as well. So we have all of these entangling interests involved with the dossier, which, mind you, only Mother... uh, No, only, I think, the Daily Beast. Like, the, the mainstream media, it was so stupid, the mainstream media wouldn't even touch this dossier in a serious way. But yet, because even with all of these entanglements the Department of Justice ended up using it as an excuse to spy on the Trump campaign. So that's kind of my overall take, that this is uh, this is not good, to put it lightly. All right, the way we're going to do this is each of us is going to share our overall thoughts before any of us comment on anybody's overall thoughts, and then we're going to compare notes. Okay, like one of the reasons I love the approach we just took, Aaron, for example, has already highlighted something that stood out to him more than it did to me, but it, but it was important for him to point that out, okay? And so that's, again, why we're trying to provide a holistic view here to the audience. Todd, go ahead. Just say the memo itself, as long as you read it carefully, it's not very long, and it's a fairly easy read. So I definitely recommend you do this for yourself, because my mostly is a, I have four tweets it's, it's mostly a pullback and less of a summary than an analysis. After reading the memo, there are clearly two different ways to get a FISA warrant. The standard way and the if you really hate Republicans badly enough way. <laughs> it isn't a trail of breadcrumbs that leads the DNC, Clinton's money and motivations to the actions of DOJ, FBI. It is a trail of boulders. It's an incestuous soap opera of mean girl gotcha at the highest levels of government. The memo shows progressivism's church, which is the government, is happily continuing the pattern established by the IRS of excommunicating those it views to be heretics. And lastly, because the investi- uh, because an investigation into Trump was already on uh, going uh, before the FISA warrants were sought out via the dossier, and not without some reason, as we talked about in the past, I mean... A lot of very clumsy behavior on the part of Trump, at the very least. I think the Mueller investigation, per se, is likely safe for now. But the DOJ and the FBI's pursuit of the FISA warrant, as they went after it, absolutely requires heads to roll. It is malfeasance, if not full-on criminal. 
Okay. And already, again, you can see why I wanted to do this approach. Aaron is primarily interested in connecting the dots. Most of your take is the summary judgment of what it means. That's, again, why I think it's important for our audience to kind of get our holistic, unfiltered view. My, uh, my thoughts on this is probably a mixture of you guys' two approaches, okay? I thought it was smart from the very beginning to lead off with the constitutional authority supporting the disclosure and to have it come from the White House itself because, as the White House notes, as its general counsel notes in the cover letter to the memo, the president has essentially unfettered, unlimited authority to declassify anything he wants whenever he wants as the commander-in-chief of our, our armed forces, which includes the intelligence community. Uh, the opening paragraph levies very serious allegations right from the jump. There's not really a concluding paragraph of the memo when you read it. The conclusions are really in the opening. It says, here's, here's what we think happened here, and then the rest of the memo lays out summary, um, su- summaries of, of, of evidence as to why they believe that conclusion. As many expected or suspected going in, Carter Page, who has made a fool of himself on national television how many times? How many times have we, did we remark last year I've never, that we've never seen a guy trying to get a subpoena or an indictment harder in our life than Carter Page? <laughs> okay, Car- it, it, as many suspected, Carter Page is one that his, his involvement with the Trump campaign is essentially the the dog whistle to this. He's at the center. He's not the whole. He's not the whole solar system, but he's the sun. When you read this memo, he's his his involvement is what touches off a lot of this. Um, the the memo claims that the much hyped Trump dossier was paid for by the DNC and the Hillary campaign, as as Aaron noted. Um, And that money was paid to a former FBI asset or informant or source named Christopher Steele, who's alleged to have been paid $160,000 a year for that oppo. That's that's a serious chunk of change. Very few Americans make that in a year. Okay. Fusion GPS, as Aaron noted, it's it's essentially an oppo research film that's a firm that's been used by Republicans and Democrats. Um, it was it was employed by the Washington Free Beacon, which is kind of a, a pro Republican establishment, uh, quote unquote conservative outlet based out of D.C. Uh, that dug up oppo on Trump, dug up oppo on Ted Cruz. Okay, it's worked for Republicans and Democrats. Fusion GPS was the mechanism by which the payments and the work were contracted out through through and to Christopher Steele. The FISA warrant application to compile this dossier and the and and, and the surveillance on page, which means what's FISA? These are the these are the this is the agency. All right, this is the federal government agency that 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 carries out surveillance and they have to go to court just like you would at any other you know uh, suspected nefarious or criminal activity and have a judge sign off on your warrant to surveil somebody okay the application that FISA put in to both compile the dossier and put surveillance on Carter Page failed to disclose the partisan motivation for the info it never said Hey, it said, hey, we've got this asset, Christopher Steele, who's known in the intelligence community, who thinks something smells fishy around Carter Page and we should be surveilling him. The warrant is signed off on the surveillance begins. It doesn't say, though, which is if that's true. And one way we would know that's true is to declassify those applications. 
this the Nunez memo says the, the the application never disclosed that Carter Page was getting paid six figures by the Democratic National Committee and Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign to compile the dossier that would come some of its evidence would come from this surveillance. That's a pretty key fact. Let me put it in a, make it simpler for you. Your buddy comes up to you and says, hey, your girlfriend's cheating on you. And I caught her. But he doesn't tell you she was cheating on you with him. All right? Is, that, is what he told you true? Yes. But did he tell you the total truth? Well, no. And the Nunez memo says here, that's what went on with these FISA warrants. It also claims the FISA application falsely claimed the dossier info was not leaked to Yahoo News. When Steele later admitted under oath in a British court of law that, yes, he was leaking what he was compiling from these FISA warrants to news outlets like Yahoo. Hello. That's a yo. Steele, as a result of this revelation, was terminated as an FBI source for leaking sensitive info to pro-Hillary media like Mother Jones. The memo claims Steele should have been terminated for lying to the FBI about his media exposure ex- or media um, exposures and leaking long before that. The biggest revelation, though, there's a, that's, to me, there's a couple. And I even in my initial tweets, I even put wow after a couple of those. To me, what I'm about to share with you next is the biggest wow of them all, in my opinion. Despite being dismissed as an FBI asset, Steele maintained his asset relationship with the Department of Justice. Including, now this is why I said it was interesting that Aaron was, his his mind went to Bruce Orr's involvement. And again, why I think it's important to get multiple perspectives here. Because the name that my, my, my brain zeroed in on, can, you can probably guess, is Rod Rosenstein. Why? Because he is currently Trump's deputy attorney general. Why would the Department of Justice hang with a known partisan as a source and an asset after the FBI already cut ties? If that's true, there are no good answers to that. Either the FBI smeared Christopher Steele, either the Department of Justice has is is, is been essentially hacked by partisans. There's not a good answer to that question if the characterization of Christopher Steele is true. There's no good answers to that question, in my view, which is why, to me, that's the biggest wow. Uh, Andrew McCabe, who just was, quote, uh, who just uh, turned in his, quote, terminal resignation as deputy director of the FBI. Andrew McCabe, as the memo points out, told Congress that no FISA warrant would have been sought without Steele's memo. So Steele's memo was the basis for going and doing the surveillance. And yet Steele's partisan bias was not disclosed on the application to surveil Carter Page. So here's my snap conclusions. This cast a potentially legit narrative. The swamp did collude to take out the Trump presidency. So definitely it is not a nothing burger, but its potential impact I don't believe will be known until we see the underlying evidence and then the shift rebuttal. I mean, the Democratic Party's version of, of these events, its narrative. It also basically says James Comey's main motivation was not partisan hackery but was 
protecting the FBI from scrutiny, defending the institution that he was in charge of from scrutiny. Because one of the things the memo does say is the Steele dossier originally came to light. Its salacious nature originally came to light when Comey disclosed it to Trump when he was president-elect. So Comey didn't trust it either. He didn't believe in it either. And Comey was in charge of the FBI that kicked Steele to the curb as its asset because they didn't trust his motivations. Comey's a complicated figure when you piece all this together. He's the guy who said Hillary did it, but I'm not going to indict her yet anyway. And then he's the guy who literally days before the election opens up that entire can of worms that probably results in uh, an election that defied every projection, including the entire Trump campaign's predicted outcome of the election. So he's not a hero. He's not a goat. This this really paints Trump or, or Comey as just a lifelong servant of the swamp who believed in the institution and didn't want its integrity impugned and was attempting to protect it from uh, on every side, which compromises him to both sides. It also, in my view, says Rod Rosenstein needs to be updating his resume post-haste. Rod Rosenstein's going to probably need to... Sp- he's going to probably decide he needs to spend more time with his family here soon, would be my guess. And whoever allowed Carter Page into Trump's orbit is a fool, just as they were to allow Michael Flynn into his orbit and Paul Manafort into his orbit. Next, I expect some on the left are going to transition from making the case that the memo is not legit into saying Christopher Steele had reasons to want to stop a Trump presidency as much as possible. Remember, I predicted last year that eventually the left would evolve from Obama did not spy on Trump to Obama had to spy on Trump. Look who he associates with. And they will go to Mueller's uh, guilty pleas of Manafort and Flynn and say, hey, Christopher Steele's an American hero. Look at the people Trump was willing to surround himself with. I suspect that will eventually be the Democratic response to this. And finally, it definitely highlights the tangled web within elements of the media to craft a narrative rather than to actually seek the truth. So those are our thoughts as individuals after immediately reading it. Let's compare notes. Aaron, I'll start with you. What stood out to you about what, what Todd and I had to say and how does it or does it not impact your view of it? Um, I, I think we're all, we're, obviously, we're all saying uh, the same thing or, saying, or different versions about the same overall um, notion, and that is... Um, that something doesn't uh, something smells rotten in the state of Denmark, uh, big time on this on this front. There is a central quote to this entire memo, and that is uh, regarding uh, Steele, Christopher Steele, and it's not an actual quote from Christopher Christopher Steele. It is um, it is a secondhand a secondhand quote, which some people are trying to poke through holes through. Um, so I think we need to see more evidence of that, more corroboration on that as well. We also, if at all possible, we need to see some more evidence of uh, FISA, uh, these actual FISA warrants, when they went down, what was said and what wasn't mm-hmm. said to corroborate the claims made in this memo. Uh, we have no reason, well, on its face, we have no reason to doubt what's in the memo. There is, uh, of course, the author of said memo. There's a lot of things that we could doubt about him. But I, I, I don't want to say that nothing stands out. I think 
everybody's observations have, at least to some degree, um, uh, def- definitely some degree of importance in this, in some degrees uh, of, of actually what will happen, what, you know, what to track this entire story will take. And it could be by the end of the weekend, this whole thing will be blown up. Or by the end of the weekend, we won't know any more than we know right now as well. Uh, but to uh, to say that any one thing stood out, um, we just have to have, I think, some more information. I think looking back, but I will say this now, looking back on the Democrats this week and the FBI and some of their actions... FBI saying, well, we need to make some grammatical fixes before you before you release this. Oh, we need to redact some things. And Nancy Pelosi calling for Nunez to be uh, kicked off the Intel Committee. They really, really, really didn't want this to get out. And now that we actually see it and that it's and that the contents therein are not a nothing burger, uh, I think it lends credence that what is said in here, based on the actions of, of the opposition and what's actually contained therein, I think it lends credence to what is claimed within this this memo. Let's react to what Aaron just said. I think reading it, the reason they adamantly, the Democrats, didn't want this out is because it. it I think the memo actually takes a lot of the pressure off of James Comey. You guys may agree with that. I don't know. But, but I don't think James Comey comes off here as... Um, as the as 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 the dark prince, I think James Comey comes off as a lifelong public servant who's more interested. Your typical swamp monster. He's more interested in protecting his turf, uh, his mo, his career, his associates, etc. And he's trying to navigate an institution that's been heavily politicized. Uh, and he's trying to figure out what that looks like. And probably when Trump said to him, "Are you on my side?" That reminded him of what dealing with the Clintons and the Obamas was like, and the dude just freaking freaked out. That's kind of my read on this all right um and and i think it shifts a lot of the blame to the obama justice department and says james comey the guy that wouldn't indict hillary clinton even though saying she was guilty thought christopher Steele was shady and sketchy enough he cut ties with this dude why did the obama justice department continue using him as an asset to see that wording in an official government document unless you're just a partisan the other way i find that quite jarring and i think that's why the democrats didn't want this out because comey's a nice straw man right now he's a convenient villain for both sides and he and he and he comes off hyper nauseatingly sanctimonious on twitter let's just be honest about that and so he's an easy villain for both sides to throw out there when when the trail runs dry but but he's a bit player in this as i read it todd and aaron to me this says that the obama justice department continued to work and utilize a known problematic troublesome compromised asset that even its own its own fbi 
wasn't willing to use as a source anymore. I think it, I think this shifts the blame from Comey and puts it on the Department of Justice mm-hmm. under Obama. Absolutely. Occam's Razor is employed here. But the, the most obvious reason why is because they know they're guilty, the Democrats. It, and it's not about it's not about appearances or optics or we were kind of in a gray area. No, they know they were guilty because this is what they were trying to do. This is how they use the government. It's not more complicated uh, to me than that. And that's why the the political shirts and skins I I, I plan right now on being bored at best, irate at worst about it going nowhere. But he, here's the thing. This is why this matters so much. This is why uh, we talk about, uh, you know, when I, when I talk about, you know, why do the conservatives always go and automatically default in issues of um, potential police brutality? They always lock in and we're going to support the cops. Hey, listen, support the cops, an important agency. But listen, cops do bad things. And cops are the form of government that actually have the sticks and the guns. You have to hold them accountable. If these people at the DOJ and the FBI and the IRS before that will use this power as they have so wantonly, so brazenly, and against people that actually have some degree of intelligence and means and can fight back, what do you think they are willing to do to the rest of us? That's what this is really about. This government belongs to you. And they use this government as a tool that they've stolen from you to step on your throats. That's the entirety of this argument. And that's how the Republicans need to roll with this thing. It's No one knows about, I mean, it's important to have justice for specific individuals, but no one has any clue about names of Rosenstein and Orr and all of these. This is about your government and taking it back before it kills you and yours. Hmm. Let me go to you next. What about what you heard the two of us say Well, stood out to you in comparison to your views on it? It just, it codified uh, my initial uh, thoughts. Again, I, I got it out there pretty f- uh, fast. I wanted it to, to be uh, airtight on the facts as much as I, I could within that moment while, n- while keeping it as simple as as possible. Again, I, I, do, I think the more we turn this into some Rube Goldberg machine with a bunch of moving parts, it actually misses the, the point. And ultimately, uh, your analysis, uh, Steve, actually, um, I mean, almost dovetailed. I mean, you went into more facets, but in terms of the ones we shared, it almost dovetailed with mine exactly. I mean, you don't... Uh, I don't remember you saying it specifically, but you, you you clearly don't seem to think that this is an automatic kill shot for the Mueller investigation. No, I think it. I think the if I'm on Team Mueller, I'm going to use the fact that uh, the Trump campaign allowed Carter Page around it, and I've already gotten guilty pleas from Paul Manafort and Michael Flynn. I'm going to make the argument that this is separate from that, and remind people that my investigation came out of Trump saying I'm I fired Comey Um, not under the direction of anybody else I made that decision I have said all along the Mueller investigation regardless of what its charter is when you look at the timing that led up to it and the way it has conducted its affairs it is really a an obstruction of justice investigation that's really what it is it's really the way it's carried, its MO and the timetable of when it was established was really as a result of or to seek out evidence of Trump circumventing the internal investigations into the idea of Russian collusion. Now, if I'm not on Team Mueller, I'm going to say 
you're seeking an obstruction of justice charge against to uh, uh, to prevent the disclosure of what crime? Right. What crime? Right. That's the question I'm going to ask. Right. That's the question I'm going to ask if I'm if I'm on Team Trump. I'm going to say, what crime was committed that I obstructed justice to avoid coming out? Because it seems to me that, I'm based on the Nunez memo, but again, and that needs to be adjudicated. We need to see how strong is the Schiff rebuttal? How strong is it? All right? We need to see that. Because the entire idea that, that, that a crime was committed here with Russia comes from a, the main source, the Q here, uh, to use a theological term, uh, the the cue here, the main source is a guy who made highly problematic partisan statements against Trump. Christopher Strzok on steroids, or Peter Strzok on steroids, basically. So, if how it could impugn the Mueller probe, if essentially the entire impetus for looking into this turned out to be a fraud in, in and of itself, you can't obstruct justice when no injustice has been committed. You can't. You can be a ham-fisted leader. You can be one that, that has a, a really problematic view of loyalty that's authoritarian in nature. Those things could be politically bad. They're not crimes. You know what I'm trying to say? Yes. There's, there's things that are politically bad, and they're not crimes. Those are two different things. So um, that's how I think it could impact the Mueller investigation. That answer your question? It it does, and it actually uh, that's neat and tidy enough that you can I think s- explain that and move it aside to the far more important issue. If this ultimately ten- ends up into a non-ending catfight about should or shouldn't the Mueller investigation go on, uh, actually I, th- the Democrats win. Or, f- truth loses okay because the far the, this is just the special counsel is not a permanent form of the government right it is here now the doj and the fbi are and that is where we need to focus Agreed. the degree to which they ran roughshod yep. over uh the proper fu- form of uh functioning form of government are all of our liberties when they do this to one they do this to all that's where we need to focus Agreed. And I'll close our conversation with this. If I were advising Team Trump on the best way to rid yourself of the Mueller investigation, what I would tell them is to not focus on Mueller and his investigation. Uh, Don't attack a table at the top. Cut the legs out from underneath it. Go after... The relationship between steel, fusion, GPS, non-disclosures on FISA forms delegitimize the Russian collusion story at its core. Because if there's no story there, you could not have possibly committed a crime that would have obstructed justice in the first place. Then we're just having a political read. You may, people may think you may have gone too far in covering your own ass and demanding loyalty from your employees. And if they don't like that, guess what? We have an election. They can have their voices heard. That's not a crime against the state, though. Okay? You can be an authoritarian. Obama was an authoritarian. Doesn't necessarily mean he committed a crime, a high crime or misdemeanor, an impeachable offense. So if I was on Team Trump, Mueller would not be my focus. And I would have my allies in the media stop talking about him. 
my focus would be with the Nunez memo as the takeoff. I, I'm taking what you said, Todd. I am zeroing in, man. I got a laser pointer on the Department of Justice under Obama. I got Rod Rosenstein. If I'm the Republicans in Congress, I got Rod Rosenstein under oath on Monday, dude. Cameras rolling. All right? Starting there. And I'm going to point out that this entire story is fake news. There's no there there. That's what I'd do if I was on Team Trump. That the, that the, the Q source for this entire scandal is a compromised intelligence agent who admitted in a foreign court that he was leaking his findings to hostile media during an election. That's where I would go. Exactly. Because then if you, if you collapse the legs underneath the table, there's, there's no leg for the Mueller investigation to essentially stand on at that point. That's my two cents. By the way, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that there is no, I'm just, you asked me an analytical question, I'm providing it. Final, my final conclusion, there's prima facie evidence there here. There you go. That something bad happened. Do we all agree on that? Absolutely. Uh, Prima facie evidence here that something bad happened. And now I think, now now Trump must declassify the FISA warrants and applications. We need to see corroborating evidence to these conclusions. Because if those those non-disclosures are on those applications, that the, the amount of credibility that that adds to the Nunez memo skyrockets. Do we all agree on that? Mm -hmm. Yep. And then I think the the bar now is high for the counter the counter memo from Schiff. It's got to come out with something more than you're a bunch of racists. Okay? It's got to come out with something more as Trump loves Putin. I mean, we we've got to ha- it has to come forward with a counter narrative that explains a certain chain of events. Do we agree on that too? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Then we'll end it there. And we'll wait and see this weekend how the rest of uh, the people that do what we do for a living, how they analyze it, how they react to it. Thanks for tuning in here today on our podcast on Westwood One. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher. Leave us a positive review if you don't mind. Have a great weekend. We're back at it again on Monday. Don't forget CRTV.com, promo code DACE, if you want to watch the television show today and every day. Until Monday, John 317. Steve Dace. I like it, you.